Hello, everybody, and welcome to In Star Trek We Trust, a Star Trek podcast. My name is Kevin, one of your hosts. Ethan, another of your hosts, and this week we will be discussing Mining the Mind's Mine, the third episode of Season 3 of Star Trek Lower Decks, directed by Phil Mark Sagadraka. And Phil Mark is known, been around the biz for a long time as a storyboard artist. Notable credits are uh, additional storyboard artist for the Simpsons movie. Ben 10 Omniverse, which is not Ultimate Alien. I'm not familiar with that one. The up, the new DuckTales, again. Again. Um, storyboard artist on Deathstroke, Knights and Demons, a DC uh, animated production. Not different strokes. Rick and Morty. Ah, there's a connection. Yeah. And uh, a storyboard artist on Sonic the Hedgehog 2. So there we go. Rick and Morty is the show that people like to point to and say, Oh, I don't like Lower Decks. It's just Star Trek meets Rick and Morty. I know. They... they it's just because it's so far from the truth. Problem. Yeah, no, it's not. Rick and Morty's fine, but this is different. Uh, and then we have the writer is Brian Bradley. And Brian Bradley's notable credits include Mad TV, another Mad TV person, Scrubs. Yep. Very good show. Um, Uncle Buck reboot, which I did not know happened, a TV show of Uncle Buck. And um, separate yeah, from the nine, from the one from 1990. I didn't even know there was one in 1990. I just know yeah. the film. Yeah, I'm a purist. I'm an Uncle Buck purist, I guess. So here we are, third episode. So, really quick. So about the writers of these shows, I, I'm not. I know you probably don't have all the writers up in front of you, but um, it seems like, from recent memory, that a lot of these writers, they're not like veteran Trek writers. They just seem to be writers from previous animated shows but we don't have a lot of like we don't seem to have a lot of writers from this universe am i am i wrong about that or am i yeah no track writers i mean yeah. credit to brian bradley he's not animated um the writer it was all just you know comedy series yeah live action. so yeah more comedy people <clears throat> and you know i would love to see a more in-depth interview with um mike McMahon is that the creator? McMahon, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so talk about how do you approach that? Do the writers need to be know Star Trek well? Do they fill them in? Yeah. Do they have to like brush up on their Star Trek? How does that all work? Well, and also, you know, when you mention again, Ducktales, I, we talked about this either last week or the week before last. The new Ducktales series is very tongue in cheek. It's very sort of in the same meta style as Lower Decks. So the fact that they would bring a writer on from that side makes total sense to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this one definitely echoed a lot from the original series episode, Shore Leave. I thought when they're down on that planet, they're hallucinating, all their fantasies begin to come true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so what we get with this one is we get the Lower Decks crew. They have to go down to a planet and do these Lower Decks type things, right? They've got to clean up these rocks these hallucinogenic rocks that you know somebody comes in contact with and whatever they're thinking their fantasy is whatever you want to call it just comes to life just before them so which is i think perfect for this show because there's a lot of comedy to sort of be mined there and also a lot of callbacks that you can do as well which they definitely did with the appearance of leia browns which we will get into shortly but and the other plot of the episode focuses on Tendi, 
making her way to science which was an interesting plot but it wasn't it, you know it obviously was not the main plot of the episode it was more about the plot down on the uh, surface of the planet so um sort of high level how were you uh what were your takeaways from this one um very um middle of the road on it i i didn't i think it was very particularly funny I really don't think I laughed, actual yep. laughed until like the last 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't, I did not, I didn't, I didn't love it. Yeah. Didn't love it. I thought it was, it started, it was a little bit interesting. It was neat, that idea. And then, I don't know, for some reason it just really fell flat with me, this one. I thought the, the, the opening of the, sh- of the episode had a bit of a, mo- a bit of a more dramatic opening to it as opposed to the other episodes there wasn't there wasn't much comedy in the opening in fact there was no comedy in the opening it was actually taken a little bit more seriously which mm. you know led me to believe that this was building into something much bigger right which unfortunately didn't end up being the case i mean i thought it was kind of i thought it might have been setting up a villain that we were going to come back to later in the season which i mean maybe we could but it just it seemed like it was setting up something bigger that didn't actually end up materializing. No, yeah, no. It set up the villains that were the rock people and the yeah. and the scientists, but they were that was solved. Yeah. But I like this idea of going down so the lower decks crew obviously has to go down to this planet, help clean up these these rocks. But they have to do it with another crew, another lower decks crew from another California class ship, and it ends up becoming a bit a bit of a competition between both crews. And we learn through the situation that they get themselves into because obviously some horrible things happen. They lose control of everything, and then they all begin to hallucinate, and all these their worst nightmares come to you know come to life. They all get them stuck in a cave together, and then we learn through this whole situation that. The lower decks crew, while they're still the Cerritos, really, while it's still a sort of lower deck ship or a least important ship, they refer to it as sort of the Enterprise of the uh, of the sort of secondary fleet, which I thought was a, which I think is a very apt way of putting of putting it for this crew because it does feel that way, even though they may not be that important, at least to the to the lower level of Starfleet vessels, they definitely feel like the most prestige, the most you know, you could say most popular maybe the i don't know reputation that it was a fun little switch bait and switch when they told us it made it seem like they had a <laughs> reputation for being uh screwing around as mariner right. says right and it turns out that they actually have the reputation for just doing all the cool stuff and right. getting into the cool adventures right um so that was which was kind of the theme of the entire series right because that's in a way they sort of lament that from the beginning, right? Because the Enterprise and all these other prestige Starfleet vessels do that, and they and they don't, not realizing that there are other lo- vessels that are kind of in the same situation that they are. There's like a, there's another level to to that. That yeah, the Cerritos is doing some not important stuff, but they're doing some like really cool not important stuff. And also, what they kind of see <clears throat> is these kind of trouble that they get into other people see as right exciting which sort of makes sense i guess if one looked at the kirk's time with the enterprise they got into a lot of trouble they did 
also it was you know fascinating because it came out of it and all that right I think actually, as I'm looking at my notes here, I think I understand what it is I didn't love about this episode. And this has come up for me before mm. um, with the show. I think it went a little bit too far into um, characters acting outside of what Starfleet would ever do. <clears throat> and what I mean is, particularly when Captain Freeman and the other young captain are refusing to take the gift from yep. the rock people. Right. Um. It was just too much. If if they were trying to negotiate a, you know, negotiate some kind of a peace yeah. settlement, obviously it worked out okay because they found out that it was it was a nefarious rock gift, but they didn't know that, so they would never have risked insulting the people that they're trying to get right. to come to peace by just <clears throat> for a good I don't know twenty minutes refusing to take their gift and arguing about who was going to get it. Right. Picard would have taken it, happily put it on the shelf next to his other uh, artifacts that he's collected over the years. Just handed it to the person next to him and then went on with the negotiation. Exactly, you're right, right. And it would have been, and it would have ended up being, as you say, something nefarious. We would have learned that throughout the episode it would have been something far more nefarious because there would have been that sort of eavesdropping tech inside where they could like expose it and get all of these secrets, as they were saying, to sell it, sell it on the black market. But I think. I liked the idea behind all of that. But again, I think to your point, which I agree with, that is what it felt like. It, it kind of felt like I, I, as a viewer, was getting a little bit impatient about that on that side of it. I just, it was, I mean, it was, it was funny, but it, it was kind of funny, but it wasn't, I don't think, I don't think that joke was really landing with me the way they hoped it would. Especially that many times and for that right. long. Right, because it was going on like in the background pretty much throughout the entire episode, I believe, right? As yeah, what I'm going to out here is what the hell is up with this rock shit? Right. Well, it was beginning... The thing was, <laughs> as it was going on, I was beginning to question, like, you know, is there something wrong with it? Like, why don't they want to take it? And at this... By the time I was asking that question, though, the show has not hinted to me that, that, that there was something wrong with it. Right. So... And the, the characters didn't know there was something wrong with it. They weren't right. refusing it because they knew. It was just refusing it because they were being rude. Nobody wanted it because they thought it was stupid. Right. And so when we learned there is something wrong with it, I didn't really feel validated because I knew that the characters didn't know that. Yeah, they just they got lucky. Right. Yes. Yeah. So I thought I didn't yeah, I thought that kind of bugged me. Also, who's this bird? Oh, have we with met Tendi? Bird before? We yeah. have. He's the ship count, ship's counselor. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. I remember yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I hate the bird. Why? Because it looks like he walked off the set of BoJack Horseman or something. Like with the animated series. Perhaps, but I just think he's like he's from a different show. He doesn't fit. I get that they're going for like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if the ship's counselor was a you know. A, like 1970s style psychotherapist right but um yeah i just didn't like the bird a lot of it just didn't work for me he reminds me of i, I wanted to pull out a uh an instrument and start playing because he reminds me of the birds from breath of the wild zelda breath oh, yeah. of the wild that's yeah. for some little, reason that's yeah yes, right play i want him to play the accordion like i'm expecting to hear that in the back of my head no yeah i get what you mean it just he doesn't stylistically he seems a little out of place but you can't just throw the the communicator onto a, a, a blazer, right? Although I guess they let 
Troy put her put it on anything. So maybe championships counselors get a lot of leeway when it comes to uniform. I I I like him. I mean, I think he's a fun. I, I do think he's kind of a fun character. We again, we've seen him. We did see him at least once in season one. I can't. I, I believe we saw him again in season two. I enjoy the character. He's he's definitely weird though the way they kind of portray him. But I'm. I mean, I'm fine with it. I think he was. I think he's all right. Um, uh, and I really think that they sort of. I, I guess I expected more from the fantasies and the um, and the nightmares. So. I also thought that was a little lackluster, missed opportunity to do. You didn't think the Borg snake was funny? <laughs> no, I did not think the Borg snake was funny. And I first thought, and I thought, is that supposed to be a Rutherford snake? Right. Because I didn't think it was done very well. See, so, I I liked them doing a Borg snake because it's like it's taking two nightmarish things and combining them into one. Like a snake is a scary, yeah, the Borg is scary, and then no, and I have a Borg snake. Left arms. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like I just, that one The thing, the thing of it is, like I said, I mean. The episode, the, that aspect of the episode was very felt very much like the original series episode, Shore Leave, where they go down to this planet. Everything there, you know, all of the fantasies just come true just before them. And while in the original series, it's you know, it's kind of played for laughs, and then it's played, it's 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 sort of weird, it's humorous, and it gets serious, and it gets like really serious. I thought that that type of episode could really work in Lower Decks, and Lower Decks could make it very funny. I don't know that this was the one that really accomplished that. I think there's a lot there was a lot more humor they could have done with it. Cause I just kind of feel like with Lower Decks, why don't you just go to that planet? Why don't you just go to that planet? That same planet that Kirk that they did on the original series. Right. Yeah, that would probably be a bit better. Yeah. But through the course of this, again, you know, they, they uncover this whole situation where they they encounter like a listening outpost and then it turns out that they're trying to these these two people who are trying to give them give this rock to the captains who don't want it they're using it as a means they're using federation tech to eavesdrop and then sell the secrets of the federation onto the black market so the whole idea was that they wanted to they wanted one captain to take it so they could at least you know learn about everything that they could and sell mm-hmm. these secrets which i think which i think is an interesting idea just in and of itself. I don't know that it, I don't know that the idea fully, it felt like it was missing something. Like it just didn't feel like, I think cause it wasn't really the focus of the episode too much. It didn't feel like it was, I don't know. Right. It seemed like a bit of an afterthought. It seemed so like guess, a little bit of an afterthought. Yeah. So I guess the main point of the whole episode was to get the, um, just have all the scenes with the nightmares yeah. and have them get out of it with the other crew, I guess. So, and then the fact that I those, those didn't really land with me, I think left me feeling a little uh, down on the episode. Well, it makes me wonder about the other crew, right? I mean, it was cool to see the other crew there and see them work with the Cerritos, but in a way it kind of feels like they only needed to be there. So you could have a scene involving two captains refusing the rock because if it was just freeman if she just refuses it she can't really argue with anybody she just says no does she argue with them with the uh you know with the with the rock people i guess so it's like it was almost like it was just set up so that you for that just for that moment completely in order for that plot to be resolved where the 
the OA team thinks that they are um, being seen as screw ups when really they're being seen right. as the cool kids, right. which causes them to rush, which causes them to spill the right the rocks. And wouldn't they just give them a breathing apparatus so then they wouldn't have had to deal with it? I mean, it's a you know, yeah. um, it's a it's a it's a you know it's a legitimate operation. They would have right. breathing apparatus. Yeah, but I, but I get what you're so, saying. I, I don't think that it was. I mean, again, while I think there was some genuine good, I had some good laughs. Um, it kind of felt like it didn't quite land. The whole episode didn't really quite land for me. Even I think you know Tendy's plot subplot I liked as well. It wasn't. I don't think it was a very strong one, but I mean it was definitely enjoyable. But yeah, it, it never. It just didn't feel like the entire episode fully came in. It didn't really come in for a landing on this one. Yeah, but and I guess the Tendy one too. I didn't fully get because when she was told like you gotta screw up to get the captain to notice you uh, I didn't get that either didn't really make a lot of didn't, didn't really pass the test to me again yes it worked but that was just dumb luck again so she gave she got advice then was lucky <laughs> that the advice worked and then acted like it was great advice right so everything everything Every bit of development in this episode was purely out of luck. Yes, but then they acted as if it was... But it seems right. to try to pretend like it was out of something else. She's like, oh, I only did it because of my great mentor. And then she looked over at uh, the doctor. But that doesn't count as good advice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, it was it was a very... I think a very middle-of-the-road episode for this one. There was nothing about it that was in, that was very remarkable. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. It was just kind of there. It just kind of existed. Okay, well, I think on the episode itself, that's kind of all we got. We typically don't go this... We're typically not this short, but it just... As you and I were talking before we began recording, we just kind of realized that it didn't... We didn't feel like we had much to say on this one because it was just very middle of the road. I don't think there was a lot to unpack. There wasn't a lot to really go over... Nothing. There wasn't that much, I think, that required a lot of additional discussion outside of what we said. So, um, yeah. Yep. So. Let's get on with the other segments, including... Let's get on with the other segment, which is... Memberberry Corner! Member... <laughs> that's what we should... No. That's what we should call it. First, we were calling it Continuity Watch, which is not yeah. correct. Then I was just calling it Easter eggs. I think we should call it Memberberry Corner because it goes in line with your haters' corner. So Some people use Memberberry as a negative thing. Yeah, it has a negative connotation, but we don't really care. We don't really care because I like that that word. That's a fun word to say. So as I said, the entire segment of being on the planet, having these hallucinogenic rocks, hallucinating through all these things, these things even being a threat. Obviously, just like the original series episode, shore leave. We see the USS Hood, which is seen in Encounter at Farpoint. In fact, it's the ship that drops Riker off on board the... No, actually, no. It's not, is it the Hood? Sorry, let me say that again. So we see the USS Hood. The Hood was first seen in the uh, first episode of the, of the Next Generation, uh, Encounter at Farpoint, which I thought was very interesting. The appearance of the Cordy, who 
um, is the first reappearance since uh, TNG season one coming of age. And the big one, which I think is a, is one for you, mm. Leah Brahms. Yeah, so this one was actually, yeah, I do have a little bit to say about this. Yeah. This was kind of fun, I guess. You see her and she's got the dress and the hair and you're just like, oh yeah, we know who that is. But same time, I don't think that it, 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 you know, I have a very warm place in my heart for Jordy. So, you do. You, you know, remind like, us every Jordy, week. Don't just make it his fantasy, too. I guess, though, if you just look at it as, even if we didn't know who she was, the fact that his fantasy is the lady who, you know, uh, um, advanced the warp drive is kind of funny because he's a tech yep. nerd. So it works on that level. I just didn't love it because, you know, those are really good episodes, the two of them. And so I didn't really like seeing them used for a cheap gag. We also see the uh, Kukulkan, which is that gigantic bird. Oh, okay. That's from the animated series. What else could it be from? From, yes. How sharper than a serpent's tooth. So that was nice. nice to see. Which, again, I thought the animation of that blended really, really, really well. We talked about the animated series and lower decks animation styles blending really well last, last week. Mm-hmm. And one other thing, a small touch. When the lower deckers are inside the cave trying to stay warm they use a hand phaser to heat a rock yes. which they did in the original series the enemy within when sulu and the rest of the crew are stuck on the planet and it's getting really cold they take the they take their phasers and they shoot them at a couple of rocks and they start glowing oh, to generate great. heat I to keep warm somewhere but i couldn't yeah. place but it had a very like original series feel to it yeah um i think that what I'm noticing about this season so far on Lower Decks is that they're really, even though it's meant to be a send-up of Next Generation, they're definitely doing a lot of... We're definitely, I definitely feel like there's a lot more original series kind of nods than they the normally have done in the past. And they, and they work really well on the show. Yes, because certainly if you want to do the more wacky, silly stuff, you would go to the original series, but... Like you said, the glowing rocks is just a small nod. It's a small nod, right? I mean, it wasn't, and it wasn't something on the original series that you looked at and laughed. It was just like, okay, I guess phasers can do that. That's cool. But right. I just thought it was, it was. I just thought it was kind of a nice touch that they did something like that. But I just think overall, I mean, again, not just that, but going down on this planet and having that sort of shore leave feel to it. And I think even last week, right, we were saying that this whole episode felt like an original series episode. So they're really going to the original series well, I think, much more in the last couple of episodes than they have in the past. And I, but I, and I think it's serving them pretty well this time. Okay. Agreed. And lastly, favorite lines. Let me go first. Okay, so I yes. think my funny, the funniest line I think was when at the end when they say they really got you wrong, Boimler. We thought you were, a, we heard you were a tiny comedic robot that always gets into trouble. And then Boimler, you hear Boimler as it's fading out say, "Guys, I'm people." Yep. So I have, I have two. I like yours. I have two. We did not overlap. I like when Mariner says, "Of course, it's not a real day in Starfleet till comms get blocked." Because that happens all the time. They can never get communi- they can never communicate through anything. Then, when they see Boimler's fantasy, they say, 
Mariner says to him, Also, a sidecar? Even in your fantasy, you're not driving? And he says, Driving's scary. I'm a natural passenger. Yeah. I just like when he said something about him, somebody saying a natural passenger. Just I thought just really, I just thought it was really funny. It it's, I mean, it's, it's side seat driving, right? Yeah. It definitely does describe a, a personality. So I'm a natural I passenger. Do, I do have one other one. So as much as I said I didn't like the bird, one of his lines was one of my favorites. Yeah. He's reading the, the manual. And he says, "Ooh, forward by uh, Ambassador Spock." And then he's reading it. And he's saying, "Vulcan stuff, Vulcan, Vulcan stuff." It would have been illogical to get an editor. <laughs> I thought that was quite funny because yeah. it was like one of those sassy kind of uh, nasty <laughs> little yep. uh, joke comments. Yeah. Uh, and but, also, you know, Spock. Nobody talks shit about Ambassador Spock. On nobody talks shit. Well, and he at that point he's still around anyway. Right. Actually, no, no, is he? No. Yes, I think he is. Yes, I believe he is. Because I don't think the destruction of Romulus hasn't happened yet. So, yeah, he's still there. But I'm okay. Um, a bit of a short episode this week. But if yeah, it's we... Good. You, you have things to do. Go do them. Telling people not to listen to us? No. But if we don't have much to say, then we just won't say it. That's all. We're not going to... We're not going to... We're not going to... We won't add fluff. Yeah. No fluff. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, in any event... Say again? What? Nothing but bone and gristle. So with that, you can uh, follow us on Instagram at in Star Trek We Trust Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Star Trek We Trust. And you can email us if you'd like to at instartrekwetrust at gmail.com. Until then, we will see you next week with episode four. Do you know the name of it? The episode that is the fourth is called Room for Growth. And we will see if there is going to be room for growth. It is yet to yeah. be, yet to be somebody, determined. Somebody turns into a giant. Or the ship shrinks. My predictions. Mm. Okay. Well, tune in next week to find out. Peace out, everyone. Bye.